In Eden, we are shown that a misunderstanding about God can lead to sin. When Eve told the serpent that even if she touched the tree, she would die, the devil recognized that Eve knew just enough to feel safe and not actually enough to be safe. Right there in paradise, the devil discovered a misunderstanding of truth and thrusts sin into that opening. Be aware the devil does exist and he numbs our senses, sometimes with information overload, sometimes in subtle, slithering, innocuous ways. But he always enters because we don't know what God actually says. I'm Ike Mueller. This is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University and our discussion about creation. We've, we've been talking about it a couple of weeks and tonight is another uh, show about that. And we have a bunch of guests here and I'm really happy that you're on set. Andrew, you are of course one of the hosts and it's great to have you on set as well. But thank you for coming. Share with us your name and, and kind of what you do. And also this question, have you ever felt cursed? Hmm. Well, my name is Steve Toscano, and uh, I'm a student of uh, church history and Adventist studies. And uh, I would say that recently I felt cursed. Uh, I had a big major exam, and uh, no matter how much I would study, no, ma no matter how much I would read and prepare, I just couldn't get the information to stick into my mind. And I just almost felt like giving up. And uh, thankfully, just you know, kept, kept at it, continued to be persistent, really prayed, you know, increase my prayer life, you know, thankfully, <laughs> and, uh, you know, God blessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I'm Andrew Campbell, um, st also studying the MDiv program here at Andrews University. I've felt cursed before, too, in a similar situation. Um, many times writing papers, I I've, I've, you know, had a lot of difficulty in, you know, um, sometimes it, it leads to procrastination when you try to do it and it, and it gets, it, it just feels so hard and then, you know, you, you feel you feel like wow I'm I've done it again I, you know the paper's due tomorrow and I, I, I still <laughs> I still need to get it done yeah, and it feels still like a, a perpetual pages. curse that you know happens you know, from time to time. I'm Megan Channer and I've felt cursed the past two weeks I think <laughs> I don't know what's going on but every time I go to print something like the printers doesn't work and then I fix the printer and then my laptop doesn't work and then. It works, but I can't connect to the internet. So I've just been running around like crazy, thinking maybe I did something wrong and stuff. But electronics <laughs> yeah, <I felt> can <laughs> sometimes yeah. play a trick on you and a yeah. number. As long as they work, they're great. Mm -hmm. Once they don't work, then... mm -hmm. I usually have that experience when I'm working on the car in some way or another. I like to tinker and fix the car if something's going wrong. And it's really annoying if you don't know what's what's wrong. That's one thing. But then if you know what it is, and those bolts have have rusted on, yeah. and they're stripping, and yeah. the the wrenches that you're using aren't gripping, and yeah. you need to get that. So I have a part that I need to replace, but I can't get one screw off. There are about <laughs> 50 that you have to take off to get to that one, and that one won't come off. Yeah. So I still have the spare parts at home. It's like, hey. <laughs> 
I guess I'm just going to live with it. <laughs> Situations like that. Uh, and we'll get to the question of this, how it affects our, our study of creation in just a little bit. But yeah. before we get there, how do you see God's fingerprints in the creation around you? Why don't we uh, um, answer that question, but before we do that, let's uh, read the key text and pray. That's a very good idea. Yeah. Uh, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. That's from 1 Corinthians 3 verse 19 in the New International Version. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank You for another opportunity to discuss Your Word, Your creation. We just ask for Your Holy Spirit to guide our discussion and just bless. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So the question you said was, how do, uh, how do we see God's fingerprint in creation? Well, for me, um, when I see just magnificent beauty in, in creation, um, immediately I think, wow, what a wonderful creator. I love seeing mountains um, in the summer of last year. Um, I, I went to Norway for the first time, and that was just spectacular for me. Um, I saw you know, huge cliffs and mountains and, and waterfalls, and that was just amazing. I, I really saw the hand of God in nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I see God's fingerprints in the food that He created. You know, the fruits and the vegetables and, and so on and so forth. It's just, you look at these things and you see such a wide variety of colors and sizes and flavors and textures, and you know, you kind of just put these things together. And if you have some, you know, some talent, you know, it, it'll come mm. out pretty good. <laughs> and so I really see God's uh, fingerprints in the very simple things that He has created for us to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I was sitting in the library today and I was looking at the trees and how, I was thinking how they're all bald right now. <laughs> and how ugly they are. I don't know. How, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the resolution of how this is wonderful. There's, they're all, they all lost their leaves, and there's a few with some leaves, but they're kind of brown now. And I was thinking how amazing it is that trees kind of go into this hibernation mode. And like winter's mm. coming, and the tree protects itself. And God mm -hmm. made it so that the tree could protect itself. And that reminded me, like, because like these past past two weeks have been so hectic I was thinking like God made the trees resilient mm -hmm. it made them able to handle what's coming and I was thinking that that's kind of like us like when we look at the trees we think about our lives and how God's preparing a way for us to get through that that trial that hard time that winter mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. so yeah I saw something there that's <laughs> that's actually really nice yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, there's spring, and that's the, that's the second part of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After <laughs> a harsh winter, there's yeah. also spring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I look at it, I, I love photography. It's kind of one of my hobbies. And uh, what is amazing about it is light and colors mm. and how the two interact. You can have a really dull thing one moment, and the next moment the light just hits yeah. it right, and it just, it just like yeah. this amazing picture, this, uh, this amazing richness of colors. Even we, we say fall colors are beautiful, I like summer colors mm. because in summer, every tree still has its very unique green. Mm. 
Everyone has just a little different. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the green, they're not all the same. If yeah. you look closely, if you just look at it generically, you're driving by, you don't, it's yeah. green, yes. But if you look at it carefully, each tree, even if they're the same kind of tree, two birches or two maples or something, they have a nuance different. And I just find that, yeah. that amazing. Yeah. I actually um, like, you know, during the fall, um, I like how sometimes you can, the trees, they, they change colors in different ways. Some change, you know, from like the bottom up. And and some you know they, they the color yeah. changes are interspersed and it's you, you're like you, you're very right I mean each tree kind of has almost a personality of its own yeah. Yeah. actually it's interesting that you mentioned that because I went on a backpacking trip recently and I noticed that in certain areas the trees drop the leaves at the same time and in other areas mm. like I go to a different uh, level and there's mm -hmm. all red leaves on the ground mm. and then there's all yellow leaves in this area and like. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's really amazing that even <laughs> as things are dying, they're still beautiful Yeah, uh, in the yeah. process of that. You know, I'm always fascinated, um, you know, just getting back to this question, how God can provide for his creation regardless of the environment. I mean, you think, you know, human beings and our ability to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, you have people that live, you know, in the nice tropical weather and, you know, they have to provide for them and for their families and not just the human beings, but even the animals and the little insects and the, the monkeys and, and you name it, no matter what uh, environment that they are in, God has a way of providing for them and mm -hmm. taking care of them and meeting all of our needs. And I think that's very fascinating. Yeah. And this balance in these ecosystems all around the world is so important. You know, you, you think about when people are developing areas and they start to tinker and remove things or remove a certain plant or, or um, get rid of a certain, you know, critter or, you know, that, that, that is annoying or something and how it throws off. Um, the whole balance yeah. of everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just takes you right back to the brilliance of our Creator, how He can create things that they work in such balance mm -hmm. and, and, you know, one thing supports the other and, and you know, it, when, once you start to tinker it, then it starts to go bad. And, and yeah. sometimes you have to tinker to save something because it's already fallen out of, but even but, then it's always, uh, always an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's always a difficulty. Yeah. Now, we, we look at that to say, look, here is evidence of God. Mm -hmm. In nature, we can see that, that God is alive. But there are also some things that are disturbing in nature. And what, yeah. what, what are the limitations to, to that way of revelation? Okay. You know, the first thing I think of is that we don't always have a specific or an explicit uh, lesson that we can learn from these things. Mm. While we can look at the very same tree or animal um, many of us can walk away with a very different interpretation of it. Mm. We can focus on certain elements which are true, but sometimes when we think of nature and its limitation in expressing God's glory, we have to realize that it does speak of God's glory, but it is, it is not always clear. It's not always um, so objective. Sometimes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's an element of subjectivity as to what lesson we draw from these things. Yeah. Uh, I think that's definitely true. It's not quite that clear, but also you can get mixed messages from nature as well. Um, because yes, you look in nature and you see magnificence, you see beauty, but you, you can look in nature and you can see death. 
and you can see um, animals that are that, that seem to be you know they're, they're very capable of killing um, you know you think of a, like a, a snake that you know coils itself around its victim and squeezes it to death or or, or you know anim, you know out on the African um, safari you know uh, or Serengeti you know lions chasing down animals and their claws or their teeth are just like designed almost yeah. to kill their their prey and you look at that and you say that doesn't look like a sign of love mm-hmm. or, or the or this the kind of God that we imagine um, when we think of a loving God so yeah I think that's one of the limitations of, of nature mm-hmm. yeah I'd have to agree <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some, even some more I mean some would maybe argue well that's necessary for the ecosystem to be healthy mm. that somebody that there's a predator and and yet it is very violent. Yeah. I remember as a kid, my parents, we, they'd have like these nature movies and my parents were like, I'm not sure if you're ready to, to watch this because mm-hmm. some of the stuff is very, very horrific. Yeah. The things that are even worse in my mind are, are things like malaria. Mm. Yeah. Uh, small things like the viruses that, that just eat you up, parasites. Yeah. You drive down the highway and you see the, the, those, those uh, caterpillars that eat up the trees and that just put them into those white cocoons, the entire tree, and just kill the tree off. Mm. Uh, that to me is it's just it's horrible to see that, where, where something just gets slowly, the, the life gets sucked out, not even for the perseverance of a, of a species or to maintain something, but just sheer destruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything good coming out of malaria, or it, it's just a really violent and horrible thing. Yeah, I think to compound this is that, you know, we often as Christians speak of how nature speaks of God's glory and His character, and so sometimes I know of a few people that have gone into atheism or agnosticism because they they view sickness mm-hmm. in their own life. They've dealt with tragedy. Mm-hmm. They've perhaps lost a grandmother or, or grandfather to cancer and they say where is God in this Mm -hmm. and so those kinds of things I think um, you know can be misinterpreted and falsely attributed to God and his character yeah Mm -hmm. and I hope I'm not running ahead of you but you know when I when I think about these two things that you see in nature you know God's glory but then also this you know wicked sense of death and, mm-hmm. and you know the ability for animals and even you know parasites and bacteria to kill um, you need some kind of way of explaining that and I think that's where for me scripture comes in because scripture gives me a, a narrative that helps me to understand how things are the way they are and, and why I think that's a really good good point, and and I think Genesis kind of brings that out. Uh, you have the perfect mm-hmm. ideal of of creation, Genesis one and two, and and then suddenly in, in Genesis three you have uh, thorns, mm-hmm. thistles, hardship, heartache, mm-hmm. um, all of this. So what happens? Uh, what what is the purpose of of these stories? What do they what do they illustrate? Mm. Well, I think that um, since the image of God is so completely marred it's really hard to see how these things could bring to how like parasites for example how could God have created that and stuff but like this is a world of sin and even animals even though they eat each other I've seen my cat when it gets sick it will go outside and eat grass Mm -hmm. 
mm. because it knows like deep down what it's supposed to be doing. Vegetarian diet. <laughs> so even in like even in it all, like even the animals kind of know this is wrong. Something's wrong mm -hmm. with this world and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Paul Paul will say that all creation all yeah. groans. Uh, groans and and yeah. another place he'll say creation is the sign of God. You you mm -hmm. have had nature all your life. You need to believe in God, right? Yeah. So he has those two of those images as as yeah. well. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. Um, Romans eight and Romans one. You know, mm -hmm. the, yes, those exactly. two, That's yeah, the, 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 the two parallels there. right there, where yeah. And you think about it, you, you, you can feel it within yourself that there's a longing within yourself that you, you know that there has to be more to life than what we experience here. Mm -hmm. um, all the pain and the suffering that, and death that, that we experience and we witness here, you know there is just something within us that knows there has to be something more. And Paul is saying, all of, not just us, we're not the only ones experiencing this. All of creation is also experiencing this. Mm. And I think it's a very, very good point. And it, it constantly brings us back to, you know, Genesis 3, like you said. And we, we know that this was the turning point. This is where everything went south. Um, south being a bad place in this case. <laughs> My wife would say south is a beautiful place. It's nice and warm there. <laughs> uh, but, I, yeah, of course, you're right. Um, in Genesis 1 and 2, we have the creation account. Mm -hmm. In Genesis 3, we suddenly have this issue of sin entering. Um, Eve goes for that fruit, uh, the snake story, and Eve, and, and then we get into that God comes out, calls for Adam, and then there is, there is a reckoning. What's the purpose of, of, this, of this, this event? You know, I think just oftentimes in Scripture, when God asks questions, he doesn't necessarily ask, or he doesn't ask for his own sake, mm -hmm. but he asks for our sake. Mm -hmm. He's trying to bring out something. He's trying to highlight a certain experience or a certain thought and to help us um, learn and figure things out on our own. And so I remember, you know, in Genesis 3, you know, the very first question, he says, Adam, where are you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, where are you? Yeah. And that's significant because that question is so deep. He's speaking to Adam who has just willingly chosen to disobey him. And he's asking him, where are you? Not only, you know, can that apply in a physical sense, where are you in terms of your physical approximation, you know, mm -hmm. where are you? But in terms of where are you, in terms of your relationship with me? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that these questions highlight these important thoughts that God wants us to, to stumble upon, if you will. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I really like that because you think about God an all-knowing God, um, omniscient God. Um, he doesn't really have to ask these questions to gain this information for himself because he already knows the answer. Um, but I, yeah, I once heard a preacher say God doesn't ask questions to gain information but to provoke conversation. And, and the, the idea behind it is really what you explained, you know, that it's kind of to get us thinking about what we've done and, uh, you know, to recognize where the guilt lies and, and where, where the responsibility lies. Because essentially, we have to realize that we are broken and we have a problem. And, and that because of that, we need a Savior. There's a certain accountability yeah. in, that, in that process. Yeah, yeah. So, 
God at that point then speaks some curses. What, what do we learn about God in those curses? You know, I think the interesting thing I find about those curses is that God, even in those curses, if you will, still demonstrates mercy towards mankind. Mm. He doesn't give up on the human race. He doesn't say, you know what, you messed up, that's it, let me exterminate you. But even in those things, those declarations that he makes towards the serpent and towards the earth, you know, God, he even promises in that context, the, the, you know, the Messiah mm. in verse 15 of chapter 3, he promises that we can have victory over the forces of darkness, over mm. the serpent, because of the seed of the woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think that that's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, dynamic that we find there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's of course a very crucial, and it's the first promise of, of the cross, right? It's a, it prefigures the cross, yeah. so that's a very important thing. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say something, and this is kind of um, just an opinion that, that I have. Um, when I think about the curses, sometimes I wonder if this is not necessarily a punishment that God is inflicting on Adam and Eve so much as God letting them know what the consequences are of this problem of sin that they have now introduced into the world. Mm. Because when you think of Adam, it, he says you're going to have to till, till, um, till the ground mm -hmm. and basically the ground is going to be so tough to work with, a lot tougher than it would have been, you know, had sin not come into this By world. By the sweat of your brow. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's basically saying you're going to have to work even harder than you had to work before. Work with something that God instituted from before. He said, you know, keep, tend and keep the garden. Um, but now it's going to be even harder to do. Um, and then you think about Eve, you know, pain in childbirth. You know, God never intended for pain and suffering to be a part of our world, but then that's something that comes along with, with you know, when you introduce sin into the world, a natural consequence of sin. Mm -hmm. And you think of the, you know, your, your husband will rule over you. You think of, well, now because of sin, you have tension in relationships, and one inevitably, if there's tension, one has to submit to the other. And this is the way it's going to have to be. I mean, that's, that's... You're saying something very radical. You're aware of that. I, I, this is something because, that I, <laughs> <laughs> Because it does say, I curse the ground mm -hmm. and I curse the curse, be the snake and all of that. So you're saying it's not prescriptive, but descriptive. And this is something that I read and, and I wonder if maybe that's what happened. Well, I would agree with you. So <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I think what you're saying is an incredibly important point. It is, it is crucial for us to understand this, that this is not prescriptive, it mm. is descriptive. It, it describes a situation, it is not a punishment. God said, you will die. If you sin, you die, mm -hmm. and that will come. But I remember my father, when he would get upset at us, and we would do foolish things, of course, <laughs> um, he, would, he would say, well, that's the punishment. And if we didn't apologize rather quickly, the punishment would increase over time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is not a good way to do it. And then it's like, you're just heaping on, and then if we would say sorry, then he'd take all that back. But that's, that's not how God is. He doesn't just, I'm so upset at you, I'm going to, and, and you're not only going to die, but you're going to be dying a miserable death, and you're going to be painful and hurting. And that's not at all what yeah. the text is saying. Yeah. It is actually saying, this is what's going to happen to you. And yeah. God takes part of the responsibility, and he takes it upon himself to introduce this to them. And he says, you know, 
this is what's going to happen. I have to tell you this. And, and I take some of that, maybe not blame, but I take some of that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And God, and that's what you were saying, God is taking part in this. He suffers along with this. And so it, yes, it is yeah. descriptive, not prescriptive. It shows the teardown of relationships. It shows the teardown of, of human life. God is still the one who blesses throughout that. If we choose to live outside of His blessing, then we have some consequences to deal with. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that not only is he saying this is going to happen, but he's actually rolling up his sleeves and showing them, okay, this is what you need to do. Because he actually made the clothes for them. And yeah. he, and telling Adam, goodness. telling Adam, like, you're going to have to work, you know, mm -hmm. that is actually kind of giving him a guide because Adam kind of worked before he played around in Eden and stuff. But like, it was so hard for him now mm -hmm. that he might have just kind of given up and thought it was out of his reach. But God telling him, this is what you're gonna do, kind of gave him hope, I think. Cause it reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd have a messy room. My mom would come in every five minutes, I want this room clean or you're gonna get a whipping. And every five minutes, I got a whipping. Because <laughs> I'd start playing. <laughs> I'd make up cleanup games and end up playing anyway. <laughs> and then eventually my mom would just sit down and clean with me and mm -hmm. stuff. This goes here, you need, to, you need to get rid of some of your toys, you need to get organized and stuff. I never did really get organized, <laughs> but, but it really helped. Like I think you bring out a really important point. And, and I think the three points that we've there's in the midst of this, there's that blessing. There's the cross, the, there's gonna be a savior. Yeah. Second of all, they're, they're descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm -hmm. A mother in childbirth, there are some people that will say, I can't take uh, an epidural yeah. because I need to suffer the pain because God has cursed me. That yeah. is not the right way to go about mm -hmm. it. I mean, everybody can decide how they're gonna have a baby, but, but just out of that reasoning, that is not what God intended. Yeah. We can't. There's nothing wrong with taking mm -hmm. an epidural. And as you says, God is a participant in that process and he even helps out. This is the amazing picture. Yeah. Why is the cross so important at, at this point? And, and why do we need to bring in the cross at this? Why is it central to our understanding of nature and, and, and the story? And I think, um, you know, when you think about how wonderful God created this world. We still see evidence of, of His beautiful creation, but you see that it's certainly marred. And we look within ourselves and we, we know there's, we were created for good, but we also see that we are marred. And um, the Bible clearly tells us that the punishment for sin um, and for sinners is death. And the cross is beautiful because that is the death that we are supposed to die. And God Himself said, I will take your place is, if you're willing. That is a wonderful thought. You know, the, the rabbis never said, oh, how sad it is that we lost Eden. Nor do the Old Testament scriptures say, how sad it is we lost Eden. They always are about how sad it is that we lost our direct contact to God. Mm -hmm. He walked among us. Forget Eden. Of course, that's a nice benefit. Yeah. But it's the contact to God that we lost. And I think... On the cross, we see how that is restored. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show and for all your comments. The fact that God cares for us is evident even after Adam and Eve sinned. God didn't abandon them, 
but he clearly tells Adam and Eve what the consequences are if they live outside of God's blessings. Looking back, we, we didn't lose Eden. We lost our direct contact with God. But God embedded the message of salvation at the darkest moments of Earth's history. So all of history has a chance to be saved. That's you and that's me. I'm Ike Mueller. We'll see you on our Facebook page or next time on Sabbath School University.